Well, I think for most of us, we are a few pounds over, but no worse for the wear. And Thanksgiving is a warm memory. Welcome. This is Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse, and we'll cultivate a thankful heart next. From all of us at Graceful Truth and Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, greetings and a belated happy Thanksgiving. Pastor and teacher Steve Converse takes us back to 2 Samuel chapter 7 today as we continue a message we began last week called To Cultivate a Thankful Heart. We're looking at David as he considers God's favor in the past, the present, and the future. And it all stimulates within him a grateful heart, a thankful heart. Helping you cultivate that same heart, here's Pastor Steve Converse with today's edition of Graceful Truth from Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. So a thankful heart is focused on God, not self. A thankful heart submits to God's sovereign purpose. And then thirdly there, a thankful heart, to cultivate that, we're overwhelmed by God's sovereign grace. I mean, when Nathan kind of outlines God's covenant promises to David in this text, David kind of blows his mind. I mean, it just blows his mind. He's blown away. Look at what he does in verse 18. It says, when King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? See, this was a prayer. He was praying to the Lord. It's one of the only places really in the Bible that we're told that someone sat down to pray. (laughs) That tells you something about what David felt at that point. You ever get that phone call? It's maybe, it could be good. It could be bad. But before they tell you what they're going to tell you, what do they say? Hey, you know what? You better sit down. You've just inherited a million (laughs) dollars. Or something bad. (laughs) But they want you to sit down. Why? It's, it's kind of a somber moment. Well, David here sat down and he went before the Lord. And he was just blown away. He was stunned. David wanted to build this house for God, but God said, no. You know what, David? I'm going to build a house for you. <laughs> and David's response is like, who am I? We just looked at Grace. I think it was last week or the week before. And... We understand grace is God's unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. There's a lot of definitions of grace, but that's probably one of the better ones. Unmerited favor. That's what David says here. Who am I? In other words, why am I receiving this grace from you, Lord? I am totally unworthy. That's his attitude to receive it. If I get it because I'm worthy, guess what? It's not grace. It's not grace. That's what we just looked at last week. In Romans chapter 11. If I can do anything to earn this, it's not grace. See, grace is the sovereign act of God totally apart from human effort or human will. And grace is one of those things that as human beings it's hard for us to understand. Because it's not in the custom of how we operate. Look at what he says in verse 19. And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. 
And this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. What did he mean? This is not how we usually do it. (laughs) This is something new, God. Grace is hard to grasp because it's not within our custom. We're, We're especially here in the United States, we're used to a system that says, you know what, you work hard and you earn a wage. If you don't work hard, you don't get a wage. Well, guess what? There's going to be consequences. We understand effort versus reward. See, but grace is not something that's a wage or it's a reward. It's something that's a gift. It stems from the very nature of God. It doesn't come out of our efforts. See, and that's what so many times before people come to Christ, they have a hard time understanding the gospel. Because they walk away and say, no, wait a minute. Okay, I'm a sinner. I'm on my way to hell. And you're saying God wants to forgive my sin and take me to heaven? Yes. Why? (laughs) What are they thinking? You know, there's no free lunch here. Nothing's free in life. That's what they're thinking. So you're telling me that I just received this gift? And God forgives me of everything? And I'm, I'm, I'm guaranteed heaven? And not only that, but past, present, future sins, everything. And I don't have to do anything for it? Nothing? They just scratch their head. They go, I don't understand that. And we've all been there before we were believers. It was hard for us to understand, probably. Grace is totally unmerited favor. And when you understand that, when you understand that God saved you, not because of who you are, not because of what you look like, Not because of your family or your job. He just saved you. Why? Because he wanted to. Wow. If that doesn't motivate your heart to be thankful, if that doesn't fill your heart with thanksgiving toward God, I don't know what will. So grace is unmerited, but it's also favor. It's unmerited favor. What does that mean? That God gives us Favor, favor. He gives us abundant goodness. Why? Because he wants to. We don't deserve it. What do we deserve? We deserve his wrath. We deserve his judgment. But God, who is infinitely wealthy, has opened up, the Bible says, the treasures of heaven. And he's poured out all these treasures, all these blessings upon us. I mean, that's... That's tough for us to understand sometimes. Well, how does this kind of flesh out in David's life here? Well, verses 8 and 9 and verse 18. Look at what he says in verse 8 and 9. He says, Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep. Remember, he was a shepherd. That you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went. And have cut off all of your enemies from before you. And I will make you for you a great name. Like the name of the great ones of the earth. And then look all the way down to verse 18. Then King David's response was, wow, you really going to do this for me? I mean, stop just for a moment and consider God's greatness, his grace, his abundant blessing for you. First of all, look at the favor in the past. That's what David was doing there. 
Maybe some of you had a recent past. Maybe you were recently converted. Others, maybe the past goes back a long time. Sometimes after we're a believer a long time, we forget what our past was like. That's why the New Testament tells us over and over and over again, don't forget where you came from. We once were like that. We once were darkened in our minds. We didn't have a proper understanding of God. Whether you're brought up in church or in a bar, you look back at your past and you say, wow, you know what? God has been gracious to me. He rescued me out of that miry pit of sin. Because the Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. Ephesians 2 verses 4 and 5 it says, But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ by grace. What? You have been saved. See, God looks at our past and he says, Yeah, that's done. (laughs) Forgiven. Forgiven. Let's move on. Remember that the next time you bring up something from your past. That God wants to simply, you know what? He wants you to move on. He doesn't want you to be held captive by what went on in your childhood or your parents or your brother or sister or whoever else. He's going, yeah, it's done. You're a new creature in Christ. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. So let's just kind of move on here. Don't be using your past as an excuse for your present day bad behavior. That's not biblical, beloved. Now, there are consequences. You may have some nightmares. You may have some problems here and there. But you know what? God is sufficient to transform your mind. See, I'm not saying that those don't affect you. Please understand. I'm not trying to be insensitive to that. I'm just saying don't allow those experiences to rule and reign in your life even today. Because God wants you to be an overcomer in Christ. And this is what he says, secondly, God's favor in the present. 8b, he says, following the sheep, and you should be prince over my people Israel. God makes this astounding promise to establish David's kingdom forever. This was only partially fulfilled in Solomon and the other kings of David's lineage. It was and is even yet to be completely fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ who was born, by the way, in the lineage of David, who will rule on the throne of David in his millennial kingdom. Stop and think of that. He deals with the present. He deals with the future. I mean, you might be saying, you know what? My present, I'm not a king. I'm not even a boss. (laughs) I'm really low on the totem pole at my job. But you know what? Stop and think of God's grace in your life. Think of Ephesians 2, 6. But God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. See, that's our present day reality. We're called to exercise authority. The authority of our risen Lord and Savior here on earth. Over all the spiritual forces of darkness all around us. Don't ever forget who you are in Christ, beloved. If you forget that or you get confused about that, that, that's not going to work out well for you as a believer. Constantly be reminding, reading verses that points out who you are in Christ. And then his future here, he made this, this promise that, I, like I said, to establish his kingdom forever. Stop and think about your future. 
Well, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7 says, In order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's what our future looks like. I mean, you can't even begin to fathom what God has planned for you in the future. None of us can. But his grace, we're surrounded by it. Grace rescued us from our sinful past. Grace sustains us in the present at this exalted level of living in which we're, we're called to live. And grace will preserve us for a glorious future. I mean, when you come and you contemplate God's grace, it should just knock you to the floor. You should just go, wow. Just being overwhelmed by his tremendous grace. A thankful heart is overwhelmed by God's sovereign grace. A thankful heart is focused on the sovereign grace of God. A thankful heart submits to his sovereign purpose and reveals his sovereign grace. Well, what does that leave us? See, the first part of this study was kind of dealing with the foundation, right? Where, where does this thankfulness come from? Well, it comes from something that's rooted in what we just talked about. But if you're rooted in what we just talked about, guess what? There's, there's a fruit that's produced in our lives. A thankful heart produces the fruit of seeing the promises of God come to fruition in your own life. I mean... Please understand, even though God had promised to do all these great things for David, David did not take these promises for granted. Look at what he says in verse 25. He says in verse 25, And now, O Lord, confirm forever your word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, and do as you have spoken. He says in verse 26, And your name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is God over Israel. And the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, verse 27, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And then he says there in verse uh, 29, Now therefore may it please you to bless the house of your servant, so that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken. And with your blessing shall, come, shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. See, the fruit of our thanksgiving, of understanding who we are rooted in, in our Christian experience, is basically the idea that God will fulfill his promises concerning you. If he is sovereign and he'll accomplish his purpose... Some people say, well, then why do I even have to pray about it? Why do anything? I just know that that's part of the way that God brings about his sovereign purpose is through the prayers of his people. Is God sovereign? Yes. Does he work through the prayers of his people? Yes. Does that make any sense? No. I'll be the first to tell you, I don't get that. But God tells you you're not going to get it. The God of the Bible says, you know what? My ways are not your ways. They're far above. You're not going to understand. They're incomprehensible to you, a mere mortal, stained by sin. You're not going to get it. But we're still called to trust. God expects his servants who are recipients of his grace to take his promises and to turn them into thankful prayers for his glory. He says in verse 25 and 26, Do as, you're, as you have said, Lord, that your name be magnified. See, 
This isn't the only promise that God gave. Um, In Matthew chapter 28, the son of David, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, he, he made a promise concerning his own house, the church. Matthew 16, verse 18, he says, you know what? Jesus said, I will build my, what? My church. And guess what? The gates of hell, the gates of Hades shall not overcome it. They will not overpower it. That's his promise. You know, people say all the time, well, you know, are you, are you worried about the church? Are you, are you the growth? I said, no, I'm really not. Well, don't you want to see more people? Yeah, that'd be great to see more people. But I don't know what God's plan is. What if God's plan is to have less people? I'm always reminded about what Dr. John MacArthur said. He said, you know what? Jesus said, I will build my church. I don't want to do anything to compete with Jesus, frankly. See, we just need to be obedient to what God has told us to do. To be in his word. To be people of prayer. To come together for fellowship. See, when we do the basic things, then God blesses. He expects his people whose hearts are filled with thankfulness to be filled with thankfulness as they really think about his sovereign grace in their lives. To take that promise that says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not overcome it by our Lord and Savior. And you know what? Turn that into a prayer. Lord, build your church. Erect your temple out of the lives of this community in order that, you know what? Your name will be magnified forever. We need a bunch of believers. We need a bunch of warriors like David whose hearts are filled with gratitude because of his sovereign grace who will come together, unite together to entreat the Lord to fulfill his promise by building the church that he's entrusted to us right here in this community. Trust me, people are looking for authenticity. People are looking for truthfulness when it comes to Christianity because there's so much out there that it's a shell game. It's a bunch of entertainment. And see, when you offer them the truth of the Word of God in a very real way, I was talking with someone the other day and they were asking me a bunch of questions about our church. And they said, well, you know, I'm a progressive young person. What would I, you know, I'm, I'm of the progressive thought. And, you know, he kept on using this progressive word. And finally I said, well, what, what do you mean by progressive? I said, look, I'm not going to beat around the bush here. Our church is a conservative church. We believe the Bible. We believe there's only way, one way of salvation. That's through the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're interested in what we believe about homosexual marriage... We're against it. If you're wondering what we believe about abortion, we're against it. And the reason is simply because God's word is against it. But I said, don't let that stop you from coming. You know, that's just a ruse from the enemy to get your focus off the real thing. And I went on to tell this individual, I said, you know what? The Bible says that one day we're all going to stand before a holy God. And guess what? Newsflash, he's not going to ask your view about homosexual marriage. He's not even going to ask your view about abortion. He's going to say, what did you do with my son? Who is the Lord Jesus Christ to you? That's the central theme. And this person 
when we were done with our little conversation, he said, wow, I never thought about that. I don't know what God's going to do with that. But you know what? I thought, I'm not going to beat around the bush and kind of, well, you know, we, we embrace everybody. You know, we affirm everybody. I had a homosexual individual ask me, well, would I be welcome in your church? I said, sure. First of all, it's not my church. I said, secondly, yes, you would be welcome. I would? Yeah. We've had people of, like that before in our congregation that came. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Then he goes, would you affirm me? I said, well, you as one of God's creation, maybe. Sure. Well, would you affirm my homosexuality? Absolutely not. Well, see, there you go. (laughs) Well, I'm just being honest with you. The only reason I'd say no to that is because God doesn't affirm it. And if you're really interested in what God says, I'd be love to sit down with the Bible and show you. Well, I don't know about that, you know. See, we got to stop kind of being so afraid to speak the truth into people's lives. Because when we speak the truth into people's lives, today a lot of people go, whoa, I never heard that before. You're really going to just tell that to me the way you just told it to me? You're not going to package it up with a big bow and make it feel, no. You know, the, the gospel doesn't need to be catered. It doesn't have to be changed. We're simply the servant that brings the food to the table. We don't need to mess with the recipe. See, God has shown his grace to us, beloved, so many ways. We need to be reminded that we are to be thankful. I just want to read in conclusion Psalm 53, or Psalm 57, excuse me. 57, Psalm 57. This is when David was fleeing from Saul and he was in a cave. And here's what he says, Psalm 57. He says, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge. Till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to you, God most high. To God who fulfills his purpose in me. For me, he will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp words. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way. But they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast. Oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds be exalted. O God, above the heavens, let your glory be over all the earth. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. 
It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.